you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Hey, podcast listeners. I know many of us are feeling anxious, stressed out. There's a lot of uncertainty going on with all things pandemic related, and we're not the only ones feeling it. Our, our kids are feeling it, especially our strong-willed ones. So if you've noticed even more dictator-type behavior than normal, there's a reason. It's because strong-willed kids, when they're anxious, they act like little dictators. So if I'm describing your household, I've put something together for you. I want you to come to my three-day free challenge. I'm going to teach you my best stuff, and we're going to help your strong-willed kiddo go from anxious dictator to aligned Zen master. You heard that right. I'm going to teach you some of my best stuff. So go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash challenge. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash challenge. Sign up for the three-day challenge, and I can't wait to see you there. Most of us, we just want to be good parents right? We just want to be good parents. So let's start by identifying and defining what makes a good parent. Patient, present, patient, supportive and loving, present, consistent, calm, kind, ready to listen attentively, calm, engaged, present. All of this is great. Stability, patience. Everybody's saying patience. It's really hard to be patient when your kids are Screaming their heads off and hitting each other, right? Or hitting you. Available, calm and relaxed, loving, disciplined, open-minded. Um, hi, Leah. Uh, listener, responder, quality time, doing things together. Um, I like everything organized and smoothly flowing. So you like some sense of order. Um, patient, being a leader. Okay, love it. All right. You know what nobody, you know what adjective nobody uses? Nobody uses the word nice. Okay? Nobody uses the word nice. And when you guys think, let's flip it real quick. There were some of my, let's see if we can, some of the definitions that I've gotten from parents before and they were all the ones that you guys were saying what were some that maybe weren't fair improving forgiving kind unconditional curious connected so all of these but nobody uses the word nice let's talk about the word nice okay the actual definition of the word nice is polite and kind polite and kind 
she's a very nice person. That's nice of you to say. So who wants to raise polite and kind little people? Right? Who? Does any of you want to, do any of you guys want to raise polite and kind people? And the thing is, and y'all who've been with me over the last week, you've heard me say, they learn by our example. They learn by what we model. So if we want to raise nice, polite, kind people. Wouldn't they learn how to be those people if we showed up first and foremost as nice people ourselves? Wouldn't that just make sense? It's sort of like obvious, right? It's kind of like the duh factor, right? Let's flip it one more time. But here's the thing. When we, when y'all hear the word nice, nice parent, like what comes to mind for you? When it comes to parenting and we think about we need to be nice, I've had this said, like, ah, it makes me feel like I would be acting like a doormat or a pushover or a wimp, right? And so, Can I have one? yeah. I'm not going to be anyone's bitch. Oh, yeah, that's Lindsay's favorite thing. When she's too nice, she feels like she, she'll say, like, I feel like I was just being his bitch. Like, he's just bossing her around, and she's just, you know, doing whatever he wants her to do. So, you know, that conjures up these feelings, I think, of, like, if I'm too nice, then I'm just going to be the nice girl, and I'm going to be, like, a total doormat pushover and wimp. How will my kids ever respect me or take me seriously? Does that come up for any of you guys? Pushover. Just fine. Friend, not parent. Right. So we're going to redefine what a nice parent actually looks like, and I'm going to I'm going to do my best to try to convince you that when you show up as a N-I-C-E, nice parent, you're a parent that models politeness, kindness, respect, and leadership. With, you're, no, you're no pushover. You're no doormat. And you, you model the exact behavior that you want from your kids, and you show them how to actually solve problems. Nice parents solve problems. Okay, I wanna to read to you guys now a little thing I wrote. So the definition of a nice parent, a parent that understands that control is not the path to solve problems productively. Control feels terrible. It involves domination. It feels like the opposite of freedom. When someone's trying to control you, it feels constricting. Can y'all agree with that? One thing all humans crave is freedom. So anytime control is on the scene, we feel imprisoned. Do you want your kids to feel imprisoned? Do you? Do you think that's going to bring out the best in them when they feel imprisoned? But how do we get them to do what we want them to do if we don't use control? Well, this is the shift. We have to give rather than get. 
when we want to change something about a person, it's very common in our society to ask, how can I get my kid to do her homework? How can I get my husband to stop yelling at our kids? How can I get my mom to stop judging my kids or my parenting style? When we ask, how can I get, there are some hidden assumptions there that can be very dangerous and damaging. When we ask, how can I get, it implies that we need to exert force and control on someone or something in order to bend it or bend them to our will. The natural answer is to how can I get is to use some sort of force, manipulation or coercion to get what you want. How do you get your daughter to do her homework? You threaten to take away her electronics or playtime usually. How do you get your husband to stop yelling? Well, maybe you try and convince them with a lot of nagging and lecturing or withhold your attention and affection as a passive aggressive measure. The problem with how can I get is that you use force as the unintended consequence and it erodes your trust and connection. No one likes to be controlled and the more you attempt to control or force, the more trust is eroded. So instead of asking how can I get, ask what can I give? What can I give in terms of support and understanding to help her to do her homework more easily? A nice parent follows the nice framework to help your child find solutions in areas where there's a struggle. What can I give assumes that the problem isn't something that will be solved with parental authority and control. There's more to the story. There are lagging skills or a lack of resources on your child's part to solve the problem. Emotional resource theory states that people do the best they can with the emotional capacity they have. And Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. So if they aren't doing a great job, it's because they're missing one or more resources or skills, not because they're being defiant purposely. And if they're being defiant, they're lacking one or more resources and can't think of any other way to change their situation. People that are prone to what seems like a constant state of defiance are living in the defense zone. Their, their stress levels are high. They're not healthy mentally or physically living in this constant state. They need our help and control will cause them to resist our help because it yields distrust. Start by being nice. I don't know about you, but I'm way more inclined to trust nice people. Mean people piss me off. And I think they piss our kids off. I think when we're mean, especially we piss off our strong-willed kids and we all know what happens then. A nice parent takes their time to solve problems rather than overpowering and attempting to control a child. A nice parent follows the nice framework, framework when their child's not doing well rather than taking their child's behavior personally and making it about them. So, here we go. We've got a problem. We follow the NICE framework. We get to the solution. So, if we think about the problem, okay, and then we want to get to solutions, I want to show you guys how we follow these steps to find the solution. And I'm gonna give you a brief overview so that y'all know, like over the last couple of days when I've been just teaching you guys, like giving you guys the fish dinners and going scenario, 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 every scenario I cycle through, 
I'm following the NICE framework. Like every scenario you guys give me, I'm thinking, what are the basic needs? N, assess basic needs, sleep and food, okay? Exhausted people suck and hungry people can't think clearly. So when you're, so the first place you start when your child is not doing well, when there is a problem presented before you, is you have to first start by, usually we start by just trying to attack the problem, attack the behavior, but we have to cycle through in our brain like a problem solver, an investigator, and we start by assessing basic needs. So your child's whining, they're complaining about every little thing. They come home from school. There's been a lot, you know, somebody posted the article about after school restraint collapse when your child comes home day after day and nothing like can snap them out of the mood. Every little thing sets them off. So first and foremost, they're whining. They're complaining after school. They're having all kinds of things. You're going to go in your brain and you're going to say hungry or tired. After school, probably both. Okay. So you start there. You start with a snack and you possibly start with, you know, some kind of downtime. If you've got a little one and they still take naps, you know you got to get them to sleep. Assess basic needs. Nothing you do or say is going to serve you or them if you don't start with assessing basic needs. And if you've got a hungry or tired child, you got to just start there. Quite often, a nap and a snack will solve the problem. Right. Quite often, little kids, I know this was the case for my kids, like for many, maybe even still now, they don't always recognize the feeling of hunger. So you have a kid that's acting out or whining or whatever, like get them food, have those bars in your purse, like know that it's not going to be fun. And if you have a recurring problem day after day after day, you got to bring your pack leadership to the table and assess and know after school, first and foremost, I, I got to get the people fed and we need to have some downtime if you have this recurring problem. So you always start by assessing basic needs, period, end of story. Then, I don't know if I, let me see if I, uh, then next. Let's say you assess basic needs or you give them a, a snack and it's the behavior still going on, still going on. You got to put on your investigator hat. I investigate. All behavior is communication. I teach something called the Q-tip. Quit taking it personally. It's never about you. And when we make their behavior mean something about us, it's actually quite egoic and immature, and I know, we all do it. It's hard not to, especially when they're hurling insults at you because possibly there's been a pattern where when they hurl incest, when they're not doing well because they're probably feeling dysregulated on the inside and not sure how to manage all of the negative hormones racing through their body, they may have developed an outlet for all of that upset and anger by hurling insults at you and then it's game on and a power struggle or an argument ensues and you know what happens when we argue or power struggle. Even though it's not fun, there's quite often an adrenaline rush that happens especially when you yell at someone. And so that adrenaline rush 
can actually be a coping mechanism to lower your stress hormones. I know it sounds crazy, but it can be a coping mechanism for how they deal with their upset. So that pattern of them hurling insults at you, you engaging in the battle rather than Q-tipping, and game on becomes, it's like you become their punching bag. And so they feel momentarily better because you're, you're fighting with them. And so they get a little bit of an adrenaline rush and that's how they actually are able to kind of alter themselves biochemically and lower their stress hormones. And so when I say we need to disrupt a pattern, if that's been your pattern, even just starting from a place of I'm going to say a mantra in my head, take deep breaths, rub my hands together, bring some mindfulness, walk away, refuse to engage, and not go game on, not be their punch, punching bag, and disrupting the pattern just there by doing that, by managing your own mind and your own behavior, that is huge. That's how you start to disrupt a pattern. So all behaviors communication, when I have a kid that's not doing well, I gotta get curious and rather than just attacking the behavior, I need to get underneath. I've assessed basic needs. They seem to be fed and well rested and they're still not doing well. There's still lots of problems and hiccups that are coming up. What else could be going on? You know, what else could be going on? They're hurling insults at you. Could the need could could investigating what they actually need, could it be that they don't know how they want your attention. They need their love cup filled and they don't know how to do it productively. So they're just relying on this old pattern to get as much of mom's attention as they can by being mean and nasty and rude to you. Is it just that they need some time with you and a minute and a hug and you to say, what's going on? I missed you so much today. I wanna hear everything and they are still nasty, and you're like, hey, I'm over here when you're ready to talk, but I just want you to know I thought about you a lot today, and I really, really missed you. You know, I really could use a hug when you're ready. Like, maybe they just need their love cup filled. Maybe the problem is is that they won't stop fighting with their sibling. They won't stop fighting with their sibling, and it might be, what is it? Like, is the sibling constantly you know bugging them and invading their space and you've got an older child that like just needs some time alone or time to recharge after being overstimulated all day long and you've got a younger child who's been who has stars in their eyes for the older child and they just can't wait for them to get home and they're used to this pattern of annoying them to get the older child's attention and so we've got that dynamic going on but the underlying need is that the older child just wants some space to rest and recharge and the younger child wants some positive attention because they've been a little bored and they want to play and they don't know how else to engage the older child other than this negative pattern right so we got to investigate sometimes you might have a child that has regular I mean lots of these strong-willed kids they are just dysregulated and they don't know how to process negative emotions and so they have a hard time transitioning or they have a hard time winding down once they're riled up or they have a hard time dealing with when the world doesn't go their way how to manage you know that kind of 
discord going on in their body and that could be it. Maybe you have a child, maybe it's the problem that you have a child that um, said they want to sign up for soccer, but every time it's time to go to soccer, they dig their heels in, refuse to get dressed, you're dragging them out the door. Maybe your problem is, is that your child um, cons consistently forgets their homework at school and doesn't bring their stuff with them or forgets to bring their stuff with them to school. And so you have a child that's living in sort of a disorganized state and they need some more support in terms of how to organize themselves and checklists for remembering their things and, and consequences for you get one hall pass a semester for, you know, for older kids of me bringing your stuff back. And other than that, we need to plan and set you up for success so you can be responsible for your stuff because I'm not going to go with you to college one day and be able to, you know, remind you to bring all the things. Like, I got to teach you how to be responsible for your own stuff. So it might be that you have a child that has a lot of disorganization going on. We got to investigate. Okay, we got to investigate and really figure out what's going on underneath the behavior. A nice parent does that. The next place we get to, so once we've like, basically the first two steps are us just playing detective. We're assessing, we're investigating, and then we get to the C. This is where the communication piece comes in. Now it's time to actually help your child start to solve their problem. But we got to learn how to communicate effectively. How do we communicate effectively? A lot of you guys are saying, I'm meant to be the parent, not the friend. You know, I can't be too nice. Guess what? You can be nice and you can be the parent. When you learn how to communicate with pack leadership, that assertiveness that sends them the message, you're safe, you're calm, I'm the parent, I'm the pack leader. Sometimes you need, when they're all dysregulated and disorganized, they may need you to use that late night FM DJ voice to kind of help them ground, let them know we can solve this, calm people solve problems. I got you. As soon as I can understand you, I'm here for you. I'm your girl. But we also have to know how to communicate with empathy. Empathy is the most magical communication tool anyone can learn. And when a parent learns how to communicate with empathy and that grounded, secure pack leadership, it's like the recipe for connection. It is the, it is the secret sauce. What does empathy look like? For those of you who've been here in the challenge, you've heard me model it many times over the last week. Most of the time, it's just stating the obvious. It's us resisting, those of us, most of us, who are recovering fixers, um, resisting jumping in to telling them what they need to do and how they need to fix it and how they need to solve it. It's us just stating the obvious. Seems like you had a long day at school and you just need some time. It seems like you're super frustrated with such and such. You wanted this and you really, you wanted the cookie and I made apple slices and peanut butter for your snack and you really just wanted a cookie. And they're like, yes. And you're like, I get it. Cookies are delicious. 
you know, in our family, we, we want to give our bodies the food it needs to grow first. So I'll tell you what. You'll eat the apples, and then we'll talk cookies. I get it. You want the cookie. You love the cookie. You just state it. You know, you have the two siblings fighting, and you say to the one, you know, maybe the older child who's so annoyed with the younger child, when you, when you go to them, you say, you just had a long day at school, and all you want is just to have some quiet. You don't feel like playing right now. Am I getting this right? That's showing up and just saying, I see you. I'm not making you wrong for it. I'm not going to attack your behavior right now. I'm going to let you know I get it. And they're like, yes. When they look at you and say yes, that's when they're saying thank you. Thank you for sending me a message that I am worthy of you seeing me and hearing me. Thank you for understanding me. It doesn't mean that later we're not going to get to a place of, like, we're a team. We're a family. We all work together. Calling people names? Absolutely not. Unacceptable. This family has to be a safe zone. There is no violence. No violence in terms, no, no violent hands, no violent words, no name calling. This has to be everyone's safe zone. We have to treat each other kindly. That will come later. But right now, when you have two kids fighting or you've got a problem and you've got a child in the midst of upset, telling them what all the rules are in that moment before you've taken the time to communicate with PAC leadership and empathy will just feel like a lecture. They will tune you out. They will feel misunderstood. They will feel disconnected from you. People are very interested and open to learning things from people that they feel like are on their team. That's what empathy accomplishes. It is the gateway to connection, the gateway. And, and it is a skill that you learn. It is a skill that you practice, and the more you practice, the more it comes naturally, and you start to use empathy in all your communication. It enhances every relationship in your life. So I want you all to know that most of us don't nest. I have lots of parents who are like, okay, what does it look like again? How do you say it? What do you do? Because most of us weren't empathized with in our lives growing up. We were just lectured to and told what we should do and shouldn't do. And, um, and so it's a skill set. And I do have, many of you may know, a productive conversation tool, a three-step process for mastering empathy. So like when I say you come, we have a path, we have a community, and we have a path forward, these are skill sets that you learn and you practice. And the beauty of having little tiny kids, especially strong-willed ones, is they give you, you know, it's like Malcolm Gladwell says, 10,000 hours of practice makes anyone into an expert. For those of you who've read his book, Outliers, you have lots of opportunities to practice these new skills when you got little kids or big kids. Um, and so before you know it, you will be communicating with empathy, with empathy like, it's, like, like it's just natural because you will master this skill. You'll have lots of opportunities to practice it, but you gotta know where to start. And then the last part of being a nice parent is E, enforce. Okay, enforce consequences. Now, that doesn't sound so nice. 
right? Like enforce. But what I want y'all to know is enforce actually just means follow through follow through and most of the time it's following through on something that is a natural consequence a cons a lot of times people in this day and age use the term consequence but they really mean punishment if you look up the definition of punishment it's like causing severe you know pain and anguish on another person um, and and I don't think you know I don't think most of us really believe that we're going to teach our kids and and many of you have tried it you know we're not going to teach our kids right from wrong because the truth is we know when things are working because that problem stops popping up again and again and again so if you have used a lot of punishment i mean if you look and assess did the problem go away chances are they didn't it's just like and if that problem went away a very similar problem popped up it's like whack-a-mole what consequences, actual consequences do, is they teach cause and effect. When you do this, then this happens. And when it's something that is a natural consequence, like your child forgets their lunch and you don't race up there to deliver their lunch, super hard, right? Super hard to do. And I'm not saying you never do this, but let's say you have a child that consistently forgets their lunch and you consistently bring it up. They never have that opportunity to feel hungry and inconvenienced because you constantly are fixing and solving and coming to the rescue. And then you might bitch and moan and, and lecture them about how they need to be more responsible later, but you're never allowing that cause and effect to occur. So their brains don't learn how to shift and change their behavior. So following through is really the enforcement and most of the time it is just a natural consequence of allowing them to experience the discomfort and for you then to go back into empathizing they come home from school and they're like why didn't you bring my lunch I called you I don't understand why you didn't bring it and you're like I know I had such a busy day are you hungry yes I, so hard okay let's get you a snack come on let's get you a snack because bam we're cycling back through needs I'm not gonna now lecture why you need to remember to be responsible and bring your lunch and yada 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 I'm just gonna get you a freaking snack and once you're eating the snack and you're eating it you're gonna empathize you're gonna be like you were so hungry that was so hard today did it affect your whole day was it harder to learn yeah I, I you know what I, I have trouble learning when you know learning something new when I'm hungry too I get it so let's talk about let's talk about how we can help you to remember to bring your lunch since it seems like that's something that somehow doesn't make it into your backpack a lot of mornings let's come up with a plan and a system I'm here for you I'm your person we'll come up like we need a checklist we need something that to put on the back door to say did you remember your lunch do we need to put a picture of, your, of a lunchbox on that back door so that you can be reminded and we can just, you know, we can have a plan in place? What would help you? What or how questions help the child to solve their problem? And so a lot of times it is following through on the natural consequence. So enforce really means following through on natural consequences. Yes, sometimes you are going to have to put a consequence in place. If you've got a kid that's consistently hitting, 
yeah, there needs to be rules and parameters. If you've got a kid that no matter what, they refuse to get ready in the morning for school and get their stuff together, you need to have a consequence that will help them to learn a better way. Uh, and when you enforce consequences that aren't natural, they just need to be logical or related. So like if you have a kid that keeps hitting their sister and you take away dessert, like that's not logical or related, so it won't actually make sense to your kids. If you have a kid that's consistently hitting their sister and you say, you know what, until I can be sure that this household is a safe zone for everyone and everyone is following our important family manifesto of we're a team, gentle hands, kind words, uh, there will be no play dates until further notice, until I can be sure that everyone is safe. Because how can I know that you're going to that you're going to operate you know in a responsible way with a friend if I can't even be sure that that's happening here so we're gonna make sure that happens here first and there will be no play dates until further notice until that happens here so yeah but you need to have it logical and related and when you learn how to show up in pack leadership and empathy and you show up as a nice, polite, kind, respectful parent in doing so, that's how your kids learn all the things and how to, how to solve problems. That also helps them to feel so much more regulated and grounded in the world. We help them to, we focus on building the skills shutting rather than the just behavior, shutting down the focus behavior. There. It's like we're behind the eight ball. You know, we're, we're, it's, we're never going to get in front of it. We're never going to get in front of it. That's the nice framework. Are you ready to start having productive conversations? Have you been listening to the podcast for a while and you hear me go through my three-step productive conversation process to solve any problem? And you're thinking, how does she do that? Guess what? I made a really cool resource for you guys. I call it the problem-solving one-sheet. Okay, it's one sheet front and back, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it will walk you through how to have productive conversations, and you'll practice, and before you know it, you'll be having productive conversations all day, every day. It really is the solution to solve any problem. So you can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving, all one word. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving all one word.